0: Well, there are many things in life that are worth holding on to. For coin collectors, there are certain coins that are literally worth holding on to. There's a value attached to them that's sometimes, many times, I hope, if they collect them, they are for sure. Um, higher. The value is higher than the value of that original coin. I suppose that could be said of various kinds of collector's items and antiques as time passes and As those items become more rare, their value increases. And so there are certain kinds of items that are literally worth holding on to. But that same sentiment could also be applied to certain kinds of emotions or or virtues. Memories are worth holding on to. That's why we love taking pictures or uh, making scrapbooks or collecting keepsakes, writing journals... Those sorts of things. I've heard people say that when they're tempted or when they're pressured to do something silly or or to compromise their values, that it's not worth losing your dignity. So dignity is a virtue that's worth holding on to. Certain friendships can be worth holding on to. And we have many different ways in our day and age of holding on to those friendships, even though distance separates us. Our digital world has made everything and everyone seem to be a lot closer. Over the years many songs have been sung that someone's love is worth holding on to. The Oak Ridge Boys actually recorded a song called Something Worth Holding On To in reference to love. Some of the lyrics go like this, silver and gold or precious stones don't mean a thing. Ah, they'll buy you a thrill or a mansion on a hill, but life won't change, it's it's a hard one to call, but I measure it all by the things I can't afford to lose. And when it comes to love, there's something worth holding on to. It's a great opportunity to insert a country song into the sermon. Take every opportunity I can get to do that. It's interesting, that, though, that they compare love as something that has more value than silver or gold. Because that's exactly the way that King Solomon... Writing in Proverbs 3 talks about something else that once you have it, it's worth holding on to. Namely, the topic of our series this summer, the virtue that is wisdom. Wisdom, Solomon says, once you find it, is worth holding on to even more than silver or gold or jewels. There was someone that knew a thing or two about silver or gold and that could make that kind of comparison well, equipped to do that, it was King Solomon. Uh, I looked it up, and gold today is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,200 an ounce. There was one year that 1 Kings tells us, 1 Kings 10, tells us that the weight of gold that came to Solomon was 666 talents of gold, besides that which came from other ways, from the explorers and the business of the merchants, and from all the kings and governors of the land. Now. Uh, I looked up in my little footnotes at the bottom, and it said that one talent is said to be about 75 pounds in the way we would measure things. And so I did some figuring. I went from talents to pounds to ounces. And in our prices, in that one year, Solomon would have been given, on the low end, uh, $959,040,000 worth of gold. So almost $1 billion in one year. And that wasn't all of it. He had more. Yet he writes that nothing, that that's nothing compared to the worth of wisdom. And so if you have your Bibles with you again, open them to Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to read verses 13 to 35, 13 to 35, Proverbs 3 verse 13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Sound familiar to the song we just sang? Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who, call her, uh, those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down de- the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble." If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. Don't plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Don't contend with a man for no reason, when he's done you no harm. Don't envy a man of violence, and don't choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord. But the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, But fools get disgrace. This is the word of the Lord. It is authoritative. It is inerrant. It is trustworthy. Let's bow together and pray before we look a little closer at this passage. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for, in this summer, how you have shown us just how in everyday life, everyday living, practical aspects of life, how important it is to acquire wisdom, not just intellectual wisdom, the ability to know something about some things, but this deeper, godly wisdom to, to know how to act, to, to, to be able to acquire the skills that are necessary for living in this world as, as people who call you our Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us to discover more of that today as we look into your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Well, that's good. Because finding wisdom is exactly what we've set out to do this summer through the Psalms and through the early part of Proverbs as we've looked at these. We started out... Way back in the beginning of July in Psalm 1, where it said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We all want to be blessed by the Lord. And in order to be under the blessing of God, we have to travel on the right paths, on on the way of the righteous, rather than on the way of the wicked or the way of worldly wisdom. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And now here in Proverbs 3, verse 13, as we bring our summer quest to a close, it says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, the one who obtains or acquires understanding. This tells us right off off the top that our quest is not totally in vain. We can arrive at our destination in part. Wisdom, godly wisdom, is indeed discoverable. It's, it's findable. It is indeed accessible. Although it is a constant quest. We never quite arrive totally. But that's what this whole last part of Proverbs 3 is all about. In, in the first part, we found out that we can't lean on our own understanding. We need to trust in the Lord. Those famous verses that you you might remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We need to honor the Lord, and then he's the one that will direct our paths. And now we see that God opens up the riches of his wisdom. He actually lets us in on, as Romans 11 says, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Even though his judgments are ultimately unsearchable and his ways are ultimately inscrutable, he actually allows us some degree of access into his wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. God has been kind to allow us access into the the treasure trove that is his wisdom. And our part then is that once we do find it, to not let it go. Wisdom is the one thing that is infinitely worth holding on to. We need to find it and we need to keep it. Wisdom, we could say, is the ultimate finder's keepers. So verse 13 starts out with the promise that blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And and verse 18 says those who hold fast to wisdom are blessed. To be blessed just means really to be happy. How do we find happiness? And so this whole section from verses 13 to 18 tells us that wisdom will inflame your happiness. When you find wisdom, when you keep wisdom, you will be happy. I remind you that we define wisdom as the skills that are needed for living in this world. It's, it's knowledge applied. And for a Christian, godly wisdom is the skill for living in the fear of the Lord. The skill for living, not just for living in general, but for living in the fear of the Lord. That's what we want. We want to know how to best live, how to best walk in this world under God's rule. And once we find that, it, it becomes what Jesus called the pearl of great price. Once you find it, hold on to it like you would a precious jewel. It is of immense value. It, it is that one thing that you desperately need in order to make your way through this world a world that, that doesn't understand the things of God, and a world that is actually increasingly hostile. To the things of God. I just read a headline, actually, someone from our church just posted it somewhere, and the headline just said Atheist calls uh, one of the presidential candidates in the US, atheist calls him a moron for believing in God. Well, the Bible actually tells us that it's not the one who believes in God that's a moron, (laughs) right? which uh, Psalm is in now, Psalm 13, the fool has said is in his heart that there is no God. might not be 13, somewhere around there. Well, the Bible tells us that, it, that we need to believe in God and that the person who believes in God is wise, that the person that doesn't um, is something else. But the world doesn't believe that. The world tells us exactly the opposite, that if we believe in God, we, need to be, we must be morons. Because how can you believe in something like that? But I just point that out to show that we really need a good dose of wisdom to know how to live and how to maneuver and, and move in a world that is increasingly antagonistic to a Christian worldview. Or even just unconcerned and indifferent about a Christian way of thinking. And we are getting increasingly marginalized and, uh, and, and we're seen as anti-intellectual if we actually believe in, in God. We're just missing something. And so it's not easy to live and move in this kind of world, especially if we want to live in a godly and God-pleasing and God-fearing kind of way. We need skill, and we need wisdom. And so this tells us that wisdom is of immense and inestimable value. It's of tremendous worth. Look there in verse 2. In in this poetry that is Proverbs, wisdom is personified here as a lady, just like back at the end of chapter 1, lady wisdom. And it says, the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. We live in a world that, that, that prizes things of worth, that prizes money. And we can get caught up in that pursuit too, very easily. Money is not just a means of supporting our family. It becomes a means of feeding our pleasures many of which actually take us away from our pursuit of God. And it actually offers no long-term benefit. Proverbs 23 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. And it suddenly sprouts wings. It flies away. And so back in Proverbs 3.14, this gets at what's really worth pursuing and what's really worth holding on to. Solomon, of all people... The richest man in the world in his time is saying, don't finally pursue silver and gold and precious jewels. Pursue wisdom. It's way better, it's more precious than all of those things. When you obtain, acquire wisdom, the wisdom that is in God's word, you'll actually be supremely blessed. You'll actually be supremely happy. It'll make your life better. In addition to riches, the other thing that's important to the world is long life talked to somebody about that this morning. We, we go to great lengths in our world to preserve life. And there's nothing innately wrong with that. We are to be good stewards of our own bodies. But here we see that wisdom will help us to that end too. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. All those things that we pursue are found in wisdom. And in one hand, wisdom offers you long life. It offers you good life. It actually offers you eternal life, forever life. And in the other hand, she comes at you with, with riches and with honor. All these good things that, that, that we as humans strive for. We, we, want, we want to be honored. We want to be rich. We, we, we want to be happy and we want, um, we want wisdom. All those things that make us happy and healthy, you can get them by obtaining wisdom. Wisdom is the, we could say it this way, wisdom is the one essential oil that will keep you happy and healthy. Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Isn't that a great picture? When, you, when you've when you got this kind of godly wisdom in your, in your back pocket and you're walking on the path that's life, even though you're still in the, this world, even though on that path there's going to be thorns, there's going to be thistles, uh, let, maybe even a few landmines scattered on the side of the road, it is still a way of pleasantness and peace. Wisdom has that effect when you've Got it in your back pocket, you can feel like nothing's going to do damage to you. Wisdom has your back. Things are well in hand. You've got all the gear to be able to handle whatever obstacles and trials might pop up as you're walking. If you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, that's sort of the picture, right? There's all these things that come at him, but eventually there's a feeling of security there. Confidence. And we'll see those very things as we keep going here in Proverbs 3. Verse 18 is interesting. She, that wisdom, says, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And so this closes off the section. It starts with blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and it ends with those who hold her fast are called blessed. Uh, when you find and when you keep wisdom, you'll be happy. But calling it a tree of life, Interesting. Has its, that has its roots, as the pun was intended there, has its roots in the Garden of Eden. Doesn't it? Now you remember the, tree, the two trees that the Lord told Adam and Eve about? One was the tree of life. They were permitted and, and they were encouraged to eat from that tree. And the other was the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know the story. They were tempted by the snake and they ate off the forbidden tree. Well, the consequence of that sin is that they were actually blocked from the tree that they had access to. They were blocked from the tree of life. Genesis 3.22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. After eating, having eaten of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. The man has become like one of us. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat, And live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned or or that that uh, turned everyone away and that guarded the way to the tree of life. And so, it wasn't just the garden that he was denied. He was denied specifically the tree of life. And that, of course, uh, course, appointed to the arrival of death. But it also points to the denial of access to life. The denial of access to life. And then we never read anything about the tree of life again. Until we get to Proverbs. And it says that wisdom is a tree of life. So you put that all together, and it's through wisdom... That we have access to the very tree which we were denied in the garden. We have access to eternal life. That's what makes wisdom so attractive and so precious and so valuable. It gives us access to life. It gives us access to God himself. It gives us access to God's blessings. It inflames our happiness. Lay hold of her. Hold her fast. Secondly, wisdom informs your physical senses. And, and I only say it that way because verses 21 to, to 26, actually, if you look at your notes, I put 21 to 24 there. It should be 21 to 26. They take wisdom and they picture it with reference to our sight and, and, and our necks and our feet and, and our sleep. But they actually all have to do with that sense of peace and security that wisdom offers us. So look again at verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. They will, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and, and he'll keep your foot from being caught. So you have all those images there of, of our body, of of how wisdom affects all our physical senses. Notice that it starts with my son again. It pictures this father pleading with his son, and so this has a direct context to a young person, a father that's trying to bring his young son up in the way of the Lord. But there's also a further context, and that's God the Father talking to all his children as well. My son. And so there's this pleading And it's pleading to not lose sight of wisdom and discretion. It's the same as verse 1 where he's pleading with the son to not forget his teaching. Here it's keep wisdom in your sights. Never look away to the right or to the left. Uh, Keep it right in front of you. Keep your eye on the the prize. Don't try to make it without wisdom. Don't, Don't look away from it. If you take your eye off of it, that's when you'll get in trouble. And your eyes might just be enticed, if you think of wisdom as this lady, your eyes might just be enticed the opposite way by the forbidden woman. Remember her from chapter 2, verse 16? And so all this means is that you have to be vigilant and intentional, doesn't it? it, it it's a fight to keep our eyes straight, focused on, on what's ahead. We have, to, we have to train our eyes to stay focused and to not let them wander. And that applies to every part of our life. The forbidden woman is not just the forbidden woman. It goes for anything that you find enticing. That could take the place of wisdom. And really, that could take the place of God in your affections. Sports, shopping, uh, internet, money. I mean, you just go down the list. Your sights need to be focused on God the Father, on His law, on His words. My son, don't lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul. They'll adorn your neck. Next, we see a picture of rest and security, and the images come from using our feet and from not using our feet. Verse 23, then, as a result, when you don't lose sight of wisdom, you'll walk securely, and your feet will not stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Talking about lying down in peace, right? We often don't lie down in peace when we've got lots of worry and stress. And I don't know why, but the older I get, I crave sweet sleep. Sleep is a good thing. It's a gift from God. But it seems harder to come by. Worries and anxiety, stress, people. All those things affect our Sleep. And even if we do get some sleep, it's often not what we would describe as sweet. It's a toilsome sleep. But this promises that when we obtain that elusive wisdom that comes from God's word, those skills for living in the fear of God, then we will be able to live securely and assuredly and, and, and peacefully. When you fear God rightly, you won't fear anything else, and sleep will be sweet. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Why? For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The Lord will make us dwell in safety. He'll give us that security that we long for. And the Lord does it through His wisdom. It says the same thing um, back now in Proverbs 3 verse uh, 25. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence." He'll keep your foot from being caught. We don't need to fear anything, not even sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked. Why? Because the Lord comes into the picture here in verse 26, doesn't he? The Lord will be your confidence. He won't won't let you go down with the wicked, He'll protect you, He'll hold back your feet from going into their trap. So whether it's your eyes or your feet, whether it's your sight or your walk, God will grant you security and protection. Number three, wisdom affects how you view everything around you. Now, I won't stay on this one for very long, but verses 27 to 32 actually are all about the things that are going on around us and how wisdom responds to those things. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't say to your neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I'll give it, when you've got it with you. Don't plan evil against your neighbor who, trusts, who dwells trustingly beside you. Don't contend with a man for no reason when he's done you no harm. Don't envy a man of violence, and don't choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. So, you can see it's all about our outlook toward others, the the people that are around us. it, It actually tells us how not to respond. These are all the do nots. And the first is to not be greedy. Don't withhold good from your neighbor, keep it to yourself. Don't be tight fisted. This is telling us that wisdom shows itself in kindness and in generosity. This kind of sounds like the Good Samaritan story that Jesus told, doesn't it? Who is my neighbor? But this is filled here with practical advice. If you have something to give, then don't hold on to it. Don't, don't have a closed hand, have an open hand. As much as you are able. And we should add, as much as wisdom requires it. This is saying not to let your demeanor be one of being a withholder. Or a holder onto, or something like that. Ray Ortland says, Withheld love is a life-depleting sin. We should be very happy that Jesus withheld no good thing from us. And that should then affect our posture towards others. Don't withhold it. Give it. Be generous. And it goes on to describe the right attitude toward the people around us. Don't plan evil against your neighbor. Don't contend with a man for no reason. It's really simple, actually. It's just saying, don't pick fights. (laughs) Instead of defending yourself and making a fuss or planning revenge, why not rather entrust it to God? Why not rather be wronged and let God handle it? This doesn't just apply to your next-door neighbor when his music is too loud or when his dog does his business on your tomatoes, You know, although that would be a good test. <laughs> But it applies even to the greater community. Here in our church, how do you respond to the people around you? As a church, are we known for our love? Are we known for our benevolence toward one another and toward our community? Friends, be generous with your time and with your resources. Be peaceable. Be loving. Be patient. Be long-suffering. And in verse 31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. You, you might look at that and say, why would I ever envy a man of violence? Well, isn't it true that we often look at what we would call forceful, violent people and, and, and see that they sometimes succeed? And then we think, you know, maybe I need to be a little bit more forceful and a little less patient. When they force the issue, it looks like that works for them. This is saying, no, don't don't envy that person. Don't go that way. A devious person is an abomination to the Lord. The upright are in his confidence. practical, everyday advice. Okay, you see number four on your outline. A little bit of a a different sort of rhythm there. But just look at the left side of your Bibles in this section, in verses 23 to um, 35, actually right from verse uh, 13 to 35. And you'll see two verses there that start with the Lord. Verse 19 and verse 33. The Lord God is connected with wisdom, I mean right through Proverbs, but in this section as well. Back in the beginning of Proverbs it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the Lord is always connected with wisdom. In fact, God is wise. You see that in verses nineteen and twenty. You see that in creation. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. The Lord by wisdom, by understanding, says, established the heavens. Um, by wisdom, He drops dew from the clouds, etc. And so we can see God's amazing wisdom as we observe creation. Charles Bridges says, every particle of the universe glitters with infinite skill. But not only is God's wisdom evident in creation, God's wisdom is also displayed as he defends the wise and as he takes the side of the wise. Verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he's scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. God's blessing rests on those who are humble. 1 Peter 5 and James 4 translate these verses as God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The way of the wisdom or the way of wisdom is the way of humility. And the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. God will grant honor to some, and he will grant disgrace, opposite of grace, so so ungrace will be the lot of others. Fear the Lord. Trust the Lord. Honor the Lord. Meditate on the Lord. Obey His word. That is the way of wisdom that God will bless. Now I wanted to end our series with this one note ringing in our ears. And that is that the wisdom that we've been talking about is unattainable on our own. Like I said, it's a constant quest. It's one that we can have access to, but we can never get there totally. We are totally unable to get there perfectly without divine enablement. That is to say, we can't get wisdom unless God gives it. And we can access it only through the Lord Jesus Christ. If we look for wisdom without Christ, we'll never make it. We can't actually and finally access wisdom without Jesus. But praise God, he has sent his Son. Jesus Christ, and it is through him that we can obtain wisdom. Listen to what Colossians 2, verse 3 says. It says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, a couple of times, it's, it says that, that, that Christ is the wisdom of God. So, with that in mind, I just want to go back to the start of this section in Proverbs 3 and read again verses 13 to 18, only this time inserting Christ into the place of wisdom. Since all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Christ, this is a legitimate thing to do. So here we go. Blessed is the one who finds Jesus and the one who obtains Christ. For the gain from Christ is better than the gain from silver, and profit is better than gold. Christ is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with Christ. I'll just interject here to say that that those words made me think of Paul's words in Philippians 3, verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the, listen to this, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So Paul agrees with Proverbs here. He is more precious than jewels. Okay, back to Proverbs 3. We're in verse 16 now. Long life is in Christ's right hand. He offers us long life. In his left hand are riches and and honor. Every spiritual blessing is ours in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1 verse 3. His ways are ways of pleasantness and, and all of his paths are peace. Christ, we have peace with God. Christ, most beautifully, is a tree of life. To those who lay hold of Him. It's through Christ. Remember, if we think of the tree of life as access, access denied, now access given. Christ is a tree of life to those who lay hold of Him. And those who lay hold of Christ are called blessed. My friends, you can find Christ. If you're here today and are groping for any kind of wisdom, and especially maybe the Holy Spirit has prompted you to, to be groping for the wisdom of God, you'll find it in the person of Jesus. Turn from your sinning, turn from trusting in yourself and trust in Him for the wisdom that leads to salvation. And if you're already a believer, commit yourself to hold fast to Christ and and, and to regard him, to see him as um, supremely precious and someone who is worth grasping onto for your salvation, for your eternal joy, for your eternal life. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares with you. Amen.